0: Hello and welcome to Rike's Expat Podcast. This is podcast number 006 and today we're going to talk about two negative connotations, one being sex pats and the other being gold diggers. When it comes to the topic of living overseas or even just traveling overseas, it's interesting that in my conversations with people who have done either very little traveling or very little traveling to Asia, there's a lot of, how can I put it, just misconceptions, negative misconceptions, about what the motives are of travelers and what the motives are of, say, in this case, Filipinas. It applies to the same thing with Thai women or, or whatever. And and it has to do with the motives of the men coming here and and the women. And a lot of it is very unfair and it's, and honestly it's, it, it comes from a very ignorant place. And I use the word ignorant in, in the sense of the absence of the facts. It's, it's a lot of just knee-jerk reaction. I want to talk today about the application of the words sexpat and gold digger. Because I, I, I really believe in all the conversation I've had in the last four years over these two topics, in every, t- in every case, it's, it's, a, it's used with a very broad brush, it's misapplied, and, and usually when you really get down to the nitty-gritty of it, it's not that the person using those terms has uh, some sort of moral outrage or anything like that. It really has more to do with just a, a negative bias. It, they, they latch on to these because they're, they're sort of like easy accusations to make. And, and they assume that it's true just simply because they've stated it. So, we'll start, for instance, uh, I think it'll probably be best to start with the issue of the, the term sex pats, because that's gonna tie into my belief about the use of the word gold digger. And you'll see how when we get to the end of this. When it comes to sex pad, when I hear Americans who have not traveled label those who are expats who who travel abroad and and come to live in a foreign country, and they will date around a bit, then they'll meet somebody they really like, or maybe the first person that they had been already talking to online, maybe that works out, and they get married, and and life goes on. And there seems to be a, a jealousy coming from those who know that they will never do the same thing. They're restricted for whatever reason. It could be their own fear. It could be they don't have enough money. It could be that they have too many obligations, uh, whether it's legal obligations or uh, financial obligations, be it child support or debt or whatever. But something is holding them back from getting on a plane and traveling overseas. And so they have a lot of resentment to men who are able and are willing to leave their safety zone, go overseas, and find a very happy and fulfilling life, even a very happy and fulfilling marriage, these other guys will attack the guys who have the volition to go out and, and be an expat. And the first thing that they will throw out there is they will call them sexpats. Now, in most Western cultures, and I won't go into all the details because I did that in a, in a different uh, video, but uh, suffice it to say that date, the dating world in, in most Western countries is very dismal. There's a lot going on, and you're dealing with a lot of women's baggage. Uh, you're dealing with a lot of demands from women and jumping through hoops. And, and the whole dating world is really just kind of a, a, a big turnoff. Uh, here for the last 20 years for, for most men. And they find that when they come overseas, where they are a bit more appreciated, then a whole lot more options open up to them. And the average man can come, say, for instance, to the Philippines, Thailand, Vietnam, whatever, and date a lot. His social calendar can be fully booked. And that's not something that you find in the United States, the UK, Canada. It's, it's a whole different social scene when you come to Asia. Now, for that reason, when an older man comes to, say, the Philippines, and now he's gone from a dating desert to a dating a plethora of, of social life, He's able to go out with various women and and very beautiful women, very young women, uh, of legal age, of course, and, and he's able to enjoy life and he's able to find out of the women that he dates a, a mate that he's happy with. A woman that he finds attractive, a woman that he appreciates her character, altogether finding up the right woman for him. And meanwhile you've got these other guys who are back home still stuck with the same dating situation, and there's a lot of resentment. So what gets tossed out at expats is, oh, you're only going there for the sex. And so they they come up with this term, sexpat. Now, here's here's how shallow this whole thing is. If these same men could be dating in their own country, they would be. But they're not. Either they're just not attractive, or they don't make enough money, or they have no personality, or they have no social skills. Whatever the reason is, they're they're just really struggling on top of the situation as it is. And so they look at these men who do go to another country and find themselves surrounded in a, in a whole atmosphere of social dating possibilities, and, and there's a lot of jealousy there. So they say, oh, well, you're just going there for the sex. Well, my response to guys who have have thrown that at me is I tell them, well, when I was living in the United States, when I was in Southern California, I was dating on a regular basis. I might go sometimes two, three months without a date because any prospective women that kind of came into my my path, I just didn't find appealing, so I would rather not date than date a woman I didn't want to spend time with. And so there'd be times when it'd be like two, three months of just kind of a dry spell, which was fine because I I have plenty of other projects to keep me busy. However, I was dating. I was dating and and having relationships and and all that, and everything that dating entails. Well, the only thing that changed when I came to the Philippines is the frequency. I Instead of dating, say, for instance, uh, four women in a year, Here, really, there was no reason why I couldn't date four different women in a month or even in a week. It was just a matter of scheduling and time and energy and all that. But here, it's pretty much as much as you want to meet and spend time with other women, you can. Now, again, the only thing that changed is the frequency, the number of women that I spent time with. Now, that doesn't make a person a sex pack. Now, I do believe that there is a proper definition of what you could call a sexpat. And and I believe it's a person, and, and, and I think the reason that this term is thrown out by jealous guys is because of the negative connotation that it implies. Now, what I would say is a better definition of a sexpat, which is not just simply a guy who moves from a low social dating area to a high social dating area, that's not a sex pad. That's just a smart guy. You know, if you want oranges, you go to a state that produces oranges and you'll get them very cheaply and they're in abundance. But you're not gonna live in the Mojave Desert and find oranges. So if you want oranges, you go where the oranges are. And if you want to date a lot of young women who are open to the idea of dating older men, then you go to a country where that's plentiful. It's just a smart thing to do. You don't sit in the desert where the only women you're going to date are going to be women your own age that you don't find attractive, who have a whole lot of baggage. It just doesn't make sense. A smart man will go where the women are. But a a proper definition of a sexpat would be a man who travels to another country to take advantage of and abuse other women. That. Is a sex man, But to throw that definition on every single guy who travels to another country and has a dating, an active dating life is just ignorant. It's, it's nothing but slander. It's, it's just a, a false accusation. Because again, I was dating in California and I did a lot of dating here in the Philippines. And I've been in a relationship now for over 19 months now with the same woman. So, uh, when I, when I hear guys say, oh, you're just a sex sexpat, well, not only are they ignoring the fact that I've been in a, a mutually exclusive relationship for the last, you know, year and a half, not only are they ignoring that, but they're ignoring the fact that I'm not here to abuse women. I'm not here to take advantage of women. I'm here to be socially interactive with women, because that's what I enjoy doing as a single man. Now, Getting back to a proper definition of a sex pat is a person who, I would say, goes to another country, sees that younger women who are oftentimes very naive or hopeful or whatever, trusting, he takes advantage of that. He makes promises he has no intentions of keeping. He promises marriage when he knows he's not going to get married. He keeps her in the dark. He disappears on a whim. He Kicks her out. I've seen guys do this. They will, they will pick up some girl and uh, date them and me even move them in. And for instance, this happened to one girl that I had met where she was living in, in the guy's apartment. He returned from what was supposed to be a three day trip to Cebu. And when he returned to his own apartment where she was living, he gave her ten minutes to pack up her things and get out. He didn't care where she went, just basically told her to get out. He showed up at his apartment with a different Filipina that he met in Cebu. And to me, that's just heartless. That, that is, that's an a-hole. I'm sorry, but that is. For a guy to, to do something like that. And, and I would call that guy a sexpat. That's a guy who is just selfishly, selfishly running around. Not, the problem is not that he's going from woman to woman. The problem is that he's being deceptive about it. He's being abusive about it. He's being exploitative about it. To throw that label of sex pat on every single guy that travels overseas and has an active dating life is beyond unfair. It really is. Because whether you're in your home country or in another country, if you're looking for a good relationship, a lasting relationship, a relationship that could even go into marriage, you're not going to marry the first girl you date. You may date a girl, she seems nice. You go on a couple dates, and over the period of two, three weeks, you may realize, well, you know, she's just not the girl for me. She's a nice girl, good friend, glad we dated, had, a, had an interesting time together. But spending a few weeks dating and, and sort of interviewing each other is part of the process of finding a good relationship. It's normal. That's what people do. It doesn't matter whether they do it in their home country or they do it in another country. You date somebody, you spend some time with them. If all things work out, you stay together. But let's face it, most people do not marry the first person they date. In fact, they may date 20, 30, 40 different people over the course of a couple years before they finally say, okay, now I found the one. The one that I'm willing to commit to, the one that I want to stay with the one i want to marry. So it's really unfair to call a guy a sex pat when all he's doing is the same dating process in the Philippines that he would be doing back in the United States. Meet a girl. Hey, see her in the supermarket. What's your name? What's your phone number? Let's meet for dinner. Okay. First date, they meet for dinner. He's still kind of interested. Second date, third date. Maybe, again, three weeks later, then he starts realizing, wow, you know, her political views are really just opposite of mine, or her religious views are really opposite of mine. Or, you know, when I met her in the supermarket, I didn't know until later that she had, you know, four kids. I didn't know she has this crazy ex-husband who, you know, she's still paper-legally married to in the Philippines. As you get all this data, you may decide, okay, I don't want to pursue this anymore, And so you stop dating that woman, and then you go, and maybe a couple days go by, a week goes by, and you meet someone else, and then you start the process again. it's There's this probationary, investigative part of dating before you start a committed relationship that is just normal. That's just what people do in order to find the right person. So to to make that accusation on people who men who come to another country and just date they're not looking to exploit they're not abusing they're not lying they're just saying hey I find you interesting I find you attractive I wanna spend time with you and if things change course basically say hey you know I I don't think this is a good match I think it's best we go our own ways you know again that's just part of dating that's just part of life but these other guys who like the one I, I gave the example of, who basically just toss women out on their ear or hand them two hundred pesos for bus fare and tell them to get out, uh, that's abusive. You know, that's that's a better definition of a guy who is who is just coming to another country to to get what he wants with whatever deception he's he's going to employ in the process. So now let's get to the issue of gold diggers. Now this is. It, An accusation that comes from more overseas women, for instance, women in the United States, women in the UK, women in Australia, this comes from women that, more often than anything else, that the women in the Philippines or in Asia, they're all a bunch of gold diggers. All of them. Every single one of them. Without exception. They're all gold diggers. And I asked them, and believe me, I've, I've had several like three hour arguments with these women in the States. And, and I'll ask them, okay, that's the statement you're making. Why? Why do you make that statement? What supports this statement you just made that all Filipinos are gold diggers? And they'll say, oh, well, look at it. She's young and, and she would never have anything to do with an older man. It's gotta be about the money. And, I slowly tried to bring it out with these women and and said to them, you realize it's not wrong for a woman to consider a man's financial stability as part of the process in choosing a mate. You do understand that. In fact, further than that, you do the same thing. And that's where they bought. And they go, oh no, I'm not like that. I'm, I'm not like that. And I go, well, then then how come in all of my dating experience in the United States, all of it, when I date a woman and we get into that first date, why is it that 100% of the time, before that date, even before we even dinner shows up, that woman, one of her first questions is, so what do you do? Now, she doesn't want to know what do I do for entertainment, what do I do for a hobby, She wants to know what I do for a living. Really what she wants to know is how much money do you make? What do you do? Are you a janitor? Are you a lawyer? Are you a doctor? Are you a pizza delivery guy? I mean, the second you answer that question, she's already deciding you either are a keeper or not a keeper. Nothing to do with your personality. Nothing to do with whether you're soulmates. Nothing to do with any of that. She has made that decision based on how much money you make per year. In fact, I've had a few women who were good friends of mine who just flat out admitted it and told me that when they would date a guy, you know, they meet, you know, some guy online or whatever, you know, they, they accept a date from, from some guy they meet in the supermarket or whatever. And they would, they told me flat out that when they would go on a date, they're keeping track of when he comes to pick her up, what kind of car does he drive? Is he driving a five-year-old Toyota, or is he driving a Mercedes-Benz, or some kind of really cool, expensive car? The other thing they told me is that the first thing they'll notice, too, is as this guy approaches her and is starting to talk to her, they always glance down at his shoes. If he's wearing dress shoes, office shoes, he's already 50% gotten the okay for that date. But if he's wearing tennis shoes or sandals, he, he's got an uphill battle trying to get a date with this girl. Because they look at these little clues. They look at how he's dressed. They look at his car. They look at his shoes. They look at his grooming. They look at his hands. Does he have dirty hands or does he have clean office hands? They, women, and I'm talking about Western women. See, this is the thing the same women that are calling Asian women gold diggers, these same women are doing all this. They're evaluating a new guy that's come into their life based on his financial status or what she thinks his financial status is. So really, it's the pot calling a kettle black. But like I tried getting across to these women, I told them, here's where you and I differ. I know that women one of the criteria they have is a man's financial stability. It's normal. It's natural. I accept that. It's evolutionary because a female wants to pair up with a male that is going to be able to not only provide food and safety and shelter for her, but for any kids that she may have with that man. If I was a woman and I was going to marry a man, then I would want a man who's going to provide for me and my kids in a stable manner. That's natural. That's normal. That's how women are. They're they're nesting creatures. They want to know that if they hitch their wagon to this guy, they're not going to end up wondering how to pay the rent, how to buy groceries, how to get diapers for the kids. You know, They don't want to be in that position, and I don't blame them. So what do they do? Their criteria is, I want a provider who is going to bring home the bacon. And they can deny that all they want, but their actions don't back it up. They can say, well, I, I'm, I'm an independent woman. I earn my own money. I this, I that. But the reality is they still expect the man to be the primary provider for the family. And that's how they're going to choose their mate. Not only just basic providing, but they want a guy who's going to give them the luxuries of life. They prefer a guy who's going to take them traveling, who's going to own a boat, who's going to take them to nice restaurants. Women can deny this all they want, but really, they want a rich man more than they want a poor man. Now, if a poor man is all they can get, then that's what they'll settle for. But honestly, women are looking at men in, in how they stand in their financial status. That is their first criteria. Now, I said that I would bring this back to the whole sex path thing. Do men have as a criteria in looking for women their outward appearance? Yes, they do. They do, and the only difference between us and women is we admit it. We admit that when we're looking for a mate, we don't care how much money she has because we understand we are the providers. So how much money a woman has is not the criteria. Our thing is, again, if you want to get back to an evolutionary look at it, we want a woman that looks healthy, attractive, able to bear kids and all that. But these days in this contemporary society, what we really want is, is the is the most attractive woman we can get. That's what us men want. So when we, we even look in a crowd, our eye naturally goes to the most attractive women in that crowd. When we think of approaching a woman at the supermarket, we're only going to go up and talk to her because we find her attractive. It doesn't mean she's the most attractive girl in the supermarket. She doesn't have to be. She just has to be attractive to us. If we find her attractive, it doesn't matter if any other man finds her attractive. If we find her attractive, then we want that woman. And we don't care if she has dirty shoes. We don't care if she's wearing an old dress. We don't care. That's all just side stuff. We can provide her with a better dress and nicer shoes. What we're looking for is the most attractive woman we can find. And women have a problem with admitting that... When they're looking for a man, they're looking for the most financially stable man they can find. So, to kind of put it in a nutshell, men, their first criteria is outward appearance. And women, their first criteria is how financially stable is this guy? Now, I say first criteria because what comes after that is the other things. The personality, the chemistry. The the similar goals. And this you find out with dating, with spending time with them. Because I'll tell you this: it goes both ways. A man could see a woman who is very attractive, and he goes up and he talks to her. Says, Hey, can I get your number? Can we go out? Whatever. And if as as those dates progress, it turns out she has a bitchy attitude, she's materialistic, shallow, all these negative other attributes, their personalities clash, it doesn't matter how pretty she is, he will drop her. Because that first criteria of attractiveness, its that's all it is. It's a first attraction. There has to be more to it than that. Now, some men are dumb enough to actually marry a woman just because of how pretty they are, and then they end up in a living hell because now they're stuck with her lack of personality, her bitchiness, her materialism, and whatever. Now, women do the same thing. Women will oftentimes marry a man simply based on the fatness of his wallet or the the depth of his bank account. And they don't care. And then I'm not talking about just women in Asia. I'm talking about women in America, women in UK, women in Canada, women in Europe. They will do this. They will marry a man based on his financial status. They don't want to be with him. They don't like him, but they go ahead and do it anyway. And, and then it, it's no wonder that in both of these situations, each one just ends up in a bad marriage. But those type of people are the minority. What about the majority? The majority of people, yes, a woman in in the Philippines may be attracted to an expat, a foreigner, because the general assumption is if he's got the money to travel here, he's got way more money than the poor rice farmer's son that lives down the block. So Philippine or Asian women tend to look at foreigners as you know travelers men with enough money to travel and sustain themselves in a foreign country they're financially stable now most of those men are older men older men who have already worked all their lives they've already set up their pension they've already got their their social security coming in they've got money coming in due to their labor they did when they were younger men so younger women their again their first criteria is not physical appearance You know, I'll say that again. Women, their first criteria is not physical appearance when they're looking for a man. So the fact that he's older, that really doesn't, that's not an issue. Not in Asia. In in the United States, 45, 50-year-old women still think they're going to get a 20-year-old looking Brad Pitt. That's their fantasy, but, you know, for the most part it just doesn't happen. It also doesn't happen very often that a a 55-year-old man in America is going to get a 20-year-old cheerleader looking girl. That doesn't happen very often either. Here in the Philippines, a woman is looking for that financial stability. And here's here's another difference between, again, Western women and Eastern women. Here in the Philippines, there's a bit more connection with their moral upbringing and such to where they understand that if they're going to be marrying a man, they understand that loyalty and faithfulness is A huge part of them having a successful marriage. She knows that if if she's gonna go the distance with this foreigner, she doesn't have money to offer, and she knows her beauty is gonna fade at some point. So the one thing that she can bring to the table of value to this foreigner is her faithfulness. If she can't provide that, her good looks are just not enough. And, And I can tell you from personal experience, I have dropped women who are just beautiful because I couldn't trust them. So there's a lot more to this going on than just money and just sex. So to kind of wrap up with our initial conversation here, it's very unfair. It's ex, in fact, it's, it's nothing less than an attack when some ignorant person points at a, a traveling expat and says to them, well, you're a sex pat because you're out there, uh, dating younger women. That really is unfair because that man is simply doing the same dating process he would have done in the States or wherever his home country was. He's simply doing it in a foreign country. And also, it's it's a very unfair, slanderous statement to point at Asian women and say, well, you're a bunch of gold diggers because you're only after him for, for the money. The key word here is only. They are not only after... And again, you have to look at statistics. You're going to have a small percentage of men who only want a good-looking girl. And you're going to have a small percentage of women who only want a guy with a fat wallet. But overall, the large part of the statistics, a lot of guys just want to find a good, decent woman. A lot of women just want to find a good, decent guy who's a provider. That's it. They want to have a happy marriage. They're not looking to be a gold digger. The guy is not looking just to have a cute little sex spot. What, what they want is marriage. They want, they want a real relationship. Somebody that they actually enjoy spending their time with. And it's very unfair to then point at these women and say, oh, she's just a gold digger. Well, the fact of the matter is, so many of the women I know, they're not only after financial stability. Is financial stability a part of it? Yes. And there's nothing wrong with that. Again, there is nothing wrong with a woman taking a man's financial stability into account when she's picking out a mate. There's nothing wrong with it. And women in the UK, women in Australia, women in Canada, women in the United States, they do the same exact thing. The only thing is they won't admit it. And likewise, there is nothing wrong with a man choosing a mate, a woman, Based largely on, does he find her attractive? There's nothing wrong with that. And to imply that there is, again, means that it's coming from a person who's not looking at the facts. A person who's ignorant of how men and women find each other. They're just jealous that, for whatever reason, they can't leave the position that they're in, the country they're in, and go find what other men are finding. They will attack the women, call them gold diggers. They will attack the men, call them sex sexpats. Because they are unhappy. They don't have a mate. So I hope that helps kind of give you at least my my perspective on the abuse of those two words. I really believe that it only applies to maybe 3% of men, 3% of women. A lot of people talk about it because it makes for a better story. Everybody's always talking about the bad girls and and some girl that, that, you know, stole some guy's retirement or whatever. That story gets passed around a thousand times. But the story about the Filipina who married an American and now they're just living a good, happy marriage. Well, you know, who passes that story around? No, Nobody really talks about that. They just live a quiet, happy life and that's the end of it. So, I hope that just kind of clears up just, again, where I come from and what I've seen, what I've heard. It really is just an abuse of the words. And and as a side note, I'll I'll just kind of throw this as a one last closing thing. I've even heard the, the word pedophile used. Now, I don't care what dictionary you want to pull up. A pedophile is a person that has sexual relationship with somebody who is of minor age, under the age of consent. And in most countries, that's 18, 18 years old. So, when a person calls a, a man a pedophile, because he's, say, 55 years old and his girlfriend's 25 years old, to call him a pedophile is really, again, beyond unfair. And it's ignorant. It's, it's just, in fact, it's slanderous, and if that kind of person had anything of value and they did that to me, I would sue him. Because it's slander. There is a definition for pedophile, and If that cannot be legally proved that the girl he's with is underage, I would sue that person. I'd sue them for everything they got. Because it's slander. To call a person a pedophile when they actually have not had any relation with anyone that is of a minor or underage is slander. It's like calling someone a murderer when they've never even murdered anybody. That's that's really the level that you're talking about. So when you hear people throw out really what comes down to name calling, unjustified, slanderous name calling, they're coming from a place of ignorance and jealousy. That, that's where it's coming from. So hopefully that helps you just kind of put it in its place. All right. So we will hope to get together and see you next week. Again, feel free to put comments there at the bottom of the page. And I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.